Hey, New City, glad you are here. Uh, really glad that you're joining us for the service. Uh, I have so enjoyed studying the book of Colossians with you. Uh, this series, Hold On, has been so good for me spiritually and personally. Uh, today's message is on the subject of prayer. And I know that all of us have been praying uh, the same prayer to God in recent days. Uh, it, the prayer has probably gone for you something like this. God, make it stop. <laughs> Please make it stop. I don't know about you, but I'm over this. I mean, way over this. And I could, I could really use a solid teaching on prayer right now. I want to say to you, an essential Christian discipline is a regular habit of prayer. Uh, if you want to be a Christian living uh, the Christian life, then prayer is going to be a part of that life, a regular part of that life. Listen again to the text from Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And so we should be uh, continually, steadfastly praying. And I just want to say for the anxiety we're all experiencing in the moment, that a treatment for the momentary power of anxiety is the immeasurable power of prayer. And so if you want to treat the anxiety of the moment, uh, the way you do that from a Christian perspective is you pray. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so if you want to, uh, to get rid of your anxiety, then you go to God and pray and you go, here's my anxiety. This is all that's going on in my life right now. He hears you and I can tell you he will also comfort you in those prayers. Uh, we have another series coming up. So the next series is called All the Feels. All right, we'll be talking about your emotional life through the lens of prayer. In fact, we'll be praying the Psalms in Christ will be kind of a subtext of our uh, sermon series in the Psalms. We six sermons in the Psalms. We'll be looking at the first week, uh, praying, uh, <laughs> praying with Christ about our suffering. And so what does that look like uh, from the perspective of the Psalms? Athanasius, one of the early church fathers said, the Psalms have a unique place in the Bible because most of the scripture speaks to us well, the Psalms speak for us, and I think that's uh, one of the big ideas I want you to hold on to, is that we're gonna be grabbing a hold of Psalms in this next series and saying, Psalms, speak for us. Give us words to, to say to God, because right now we're in a time where words are hard to come, come by. Uh, I want you to know, though, you don't have to have the words always to pray. You see, prayer is a mystical experience. Uh, listen to the way Paul describes prayer and the Holy Spirit's role in prayer in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for or, or, or as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit he is saying things to God on our behalf that are, that are just unutterable in terms of like it is, it's the kind of prayer that supersedes language. It goes up to God and he speaks the will of God on our behalf. To, uh, it's so amazing to know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you, that Jesus is praying for you, that God is listening to you uh, in heaven. But before we can talk about what prayer is, we need to say some things about what prayer is not. We need to address what prayer is not. And prayer is not merely wishful thinking. 
I know sometimes that is a temptation with prayer, is to treat it like it's just wishful thinking. And I know sometimes we struggle in our faith, and sometimes we feel like, well, I don't know, let's just see if it works, you know? And we don't really have a, a strong conviction that prayer, in fact, is effective and that it does work. And so sometimes we treat prayer like wishful thinking. In fact, sometimes we live, uh, we live in such a way that we confess Christ as Lord, but we live as practical atheists. Like we don't trust that he's really Lord of anything or has the power to do anything in our lives. And so we very rarely petition him. And when we do, it comes off as just wishful thinking. I want you to listen to James uh, 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Now listen to this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. In other words, prayer is not wishful thinking. Prayer has great power. Uh, You could pray with the psalmist in Psalm 55. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Like he listens to my prayers and he brings about his rescue. And so I want to begin here with a pretty powerful point uh, that you should log square away in your head. Prayer changes things. And so if there are things that are needed to be changed in your life, if there is an application of the will of God that needs to be made in your life, then pray about it. And I can promise you, prayer changes things. Too many prayers go unanswered because too many prayers go unprayed. So often there are things that we wish would change our lives, but we don't take it to God in prayer and we don't have access to the power of God through the prayer that we are praying to God for the will of God to take place in our lives. And so listen, pray about it. Prayer is not merely wishful thinking. Prayer is not the manipulation of the divine either. Uh, you, You could listen to Matthew 7, 11, and you hear something about uh, the nature of prayer. Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In other words, when you're, you're praying, you're not praying to some impersonal divine being that you're trying to coerce into uh, to, to do the things that you want uh, to be done. You're not trying to manipulate the universe. You're talking to your dad in heaven. You're talking to your father, and you're seeking your father's will. In fact, prayer is about bending my will to the father's will. It's praying with Jesus in the, God, in the garden. It's, it's praying alongside of Christ when he says, uh, not my will be done, but yours be done. It's praying Matthew 6.10 as Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what's to me amazing about prayer, and this is truly an ama- it's a mystery about prayer to me, but it, it is true of prayer, that God's will is accomplished through your prayers. There, there are things that happen in life that are God's will, and they are accomplished because they're God's will that you prayed into being. It's it's mind-blowing to me, but listen to what the Scripture says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so if you're praying the will of God, God answers the prayer according to his will. And isn't that mind-blowing that you can pray things in line with the will of God and they happen in the world? So prayer is not merely wishful thinking. Prayer is not the manipulation of the divine. Prayer is not one-way communication with God, and sometimes we think it is, but it's not. Prayer is a part of a conversation we are having with a very personal Father in heaven. 
that Jesus says about our relationship with him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And if you're a Christian, then you know the voice of God and he speaks to you through his word and through his spirit. In 1 John uh, 1, 3, we, we read about the invitation of the gospel and John says it this way. He says, uh, we, we've talked to you about what we've seen and heard and what we proclaimed. You know, all, we, we've, we've showed you what, what we've witnessed and experienced. What is it? So you too may have fellowship with us and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to know something about the gospel. The gospel invites you into fellowship, and it's not just fellowship with other believers. The gospel invites you into fellowship with God himself, a relationship. So prayer, like any other conversation you might have in life, it deepens your relationship with God. So prayer is not wishful thinking. Prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer is not the manipulation of the divine. It's not some impersonal God that you're trying to convince to do uh, things in the world. It is your Father in heaven, uh, uh, and you're trying to do your best as a child to say, Father, what's your will, and how can I pray for your will to be done? And prayer is not one-way communication with God. Prayer is the way that we have a relationship and have a deepening relationship with God in heaven. I want you to know this about prayer. Okay, hear me on this. Prayer is effective. Like prayer does things, it changes things, it's effective. Which is why in Colossians 4.2 he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. (laughs) In other words, expect your prayers to be answered. So when you pray them, eyes wide open. Okay, God, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna answer it? How are you gonna respond to it? That's our attitude as Christians as we pray. You see, prayer is so effective that subsequent discipline of prayer is uh, subsequent discipline to prayer is watching. So if you wanna learn how to pray well, you wanna learn how to practice the Christian discipline of prayer, it's not just about making a request known to God, it's also about watching. It's also about having your eyes wide open, going, God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do. Because he does, he listens and he, and he responds to our prayers and he answers them. You see, when you are watchful in prayer, you will experience thankfulness on a regular basis. When you are watchful in prayer, you'll have this experience. I gotta tell you what happened. I prayed about this and God answered my prayers. Like it's, it's just, it's just a, a mind-blowing thing when you get to tell a friend, like I prayed about this and God answered my prayer. Like he did, he answered it and it's different now because God showed up and he did something about it. Look, if you have not praised God with gratitude lately, like I don't wanna say this, but let's just be honest. If you have not praised God with gratitude lately, you may have a weak prayer life. I just, I, I believe in this so much, I can say with very little hesitation here, that if you devoted yourself right now to a discipline of prayer, regular prayer, reading the word, seeking the will of God, praying for the will of God in your everyday life, you will accumulate a vast record of answered prayers. And that will build and embolden your faith. So I'm gonna give you three practices of Three practices for a powerful prayer life. I got it out there. Three practices for a powerful prayer life. And these are not earth shattering, okay? But these are things that I wanna encourage you to do. If you wanna have a powerful prayer life, you can start by writing down your prayers. 
So, so when you write down your prayers, what you're doing is you're saying, I am, I am praying this not merely as wishful thinking, but I'm committing to pray for this. This is the idea of, uh, of knocking and keep knocking as, as God advises us in prayer. Just keep seeking, keep knocking, keep coming after him. Keep praying about these things and, and pray with, with, uh, with steadfastness continually as our text says. And so we write our prayers down and we pursue the prayer. And we pray for it on a regular basis. And then what you do is you write down the answers to your prayers. If you've not had this experience as a Christian, you're missing out. Write down your prayers, write down the answers. I've, I've got journals, I mean literally journals full of answered prayers. I, I mean, I've got prayers that, uh, that I prayed 10 years ago that are being answered today and I can go back to my journal and see those prayers that I've prayed and how God has answered them. It's unbelievable. So write down your prayers, write down the answers to your prayers and then celebrate what God has done. Like just simply celebrate what God has done. Now I, I sent uh, a note on Slack to all of our staff team and I just said, hey guys, give me some of your pointers, some of the things that you do to help embolster your prayer life. They sent a bunch of great ideas and I, I wrote down a few of them. Here are some of the staff tips on prayer. Use an app like the Echo Prayer app. One of the staff members is in the community group and they use Echo, the app, for uh, keeping track of prayers in, in the community group. One of the ways they write them down and also track the answered prayers. Uh, one staff person says set times for prayer that is helpful for them, that they, they tend to have uh, a better uh, prayer life when they are set times throughout the day to pray. Another staff member said that sharing prayers uh, answer and answers of those prayers with friends is a powerful thing for me to do in my life. And so sharing my prayers with my community group and sharing the answers of those prayers or sharing a prayer with a trusted friend who's a follower of Jesus and, and then and celebrating the answers. Even sharing my prayers with people who are far from God and sharing in the, the joy of the, seeing those answers can be a witness. Uh, revisit written prayers, both current and, and answered, is, is, was another suggestion. I think this is a really good one because I have gone back in journals and, and seen things I prayed for Vanessa that God has answered and seen things I prayed for my kids that God has answered. I've been praying for my kids on a regular basis for their future spouses and so I'm looking forward to God answer that prayer. And uh, you know, I, I don't want my boys to marry some bozo. I certainly don't want my daughter to marry some bozo so I'm praying for the right person for them. All right, and so I, I, I am uh, praying praying those prayers, and so they, 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 they don't need to be answered anytime soon, but you know, one day in the future they can be, they can be answered, but I can revisit prayers in the past, and I can see how God's answered those prayers, and it gives me confidence for the prayers I'm praying in the present. Uh, one, one staff member said, you could um, uh, use Siri to remind you to pray, and so when you hear of a prayer request or whatever, you just speak it in your phone, Siri, remind me, and then you have a reminder right there on your calendar to pray right from your from your app. Uh, I, I thought it would be funny just to say, hey Siri, right now to see if your phone uh, beeped in your home. Hopefully it did, and that would be great. All right, so I want you to hear this, and this is, this is I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sell your prayer to you, uh, and I hope I'm gonna do a good job. I want you to know you can change the world through prayer, that's not hyperbole. You can change the world through prayer, and here's how you do it. The, the first step is seek the will of God. Uh, if you're the kind of Christian who is living out Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, if you're the kind of person saying, you know what, I'm gonna seek first God's kingdom, and you are looking for God's kingdom to be manifest in this world, then your prayers are gonna be powerful, my friend. 
And when you are praying God's kingdom into existence, you can know that that's something that God is for and he is coming after you with a whole bunch of answers. So seek the will of God and then pray the will of God. Listen to, to James 5.16. And what I want you to hear in James 5.16 is I want you to hear the reference or the illustration that James makes for the power of prayer. He, he says, as we've already read, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other, you, you'll be healed. Then he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. But then he says something interesting. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He goes on to articulate a, a way in which Elijah prayed and miracles happened. But he says, Elijah's no different than you. Like, you're not any different than Elijah. What I want to do with you just real quick is take Elijah as a case study. When, when you go to 1 Kings 18, what you see is Elijah's going to face off with the prophets of Baal. And it's just one guy, and there's 450 of them, and it's a pretty tense moment. Elijah makes a declaration in 1 Kings 18, 21. He says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal uh, is God, then follow him. And he, then he puts, a, he puts a challenge on the table because he's not afraid to pray. And he says, you call upon the name of your God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he's the God. So let's build altars uh, as sacrifices to our gods. Whichever God calls fire down from heaven is the real God. And so he makes a challenge that's rooted in prayer. And now I want you to, to hear Elijah's prayer because this is really important. And at the time of the offering, Elijah the prophet came near and said, now listen to what Elijah said because this is extraordinarily important. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that, now hear his prayer, the content of his prayer. I have done all these things at your word. See what he's saying? saying, I am praying now, I'm praying exactly your will, the will you revealed to me, and so I'm gonna pray your will into existence. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned back, have turned their hearts back. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up all the water that was in the trench. And they, they covered this offering with water and God brought down fire from heaven miraculously and lit it up. And I just want you to hear this. Okay, hear me, church, okay? Hear me. If God asks you to call down fire from heaven and you pray fire down from heaven, fire will come from heaven. Heaven will open up and fire will fall if you pray that prayer. Prayer has the capacity to do miracles in your life. And Elijah's a man just like you. So you can change the world through prayer. You begin to seek the will of God. You gotta pray the will of God and then you watch. You watch for miracles. Continue steadfastly in prayer, our text says today, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so we need to have Two additional disciplines to seeking the will of God and praying the will of God. We've got to watch for the miracle. And then we've got to be thankful and celebrate and worship God for what he's done and how he's answered our prayers. 
And there are two things in the text that Paul says I want you to pray for specifically, two things that I want you to, to be offering to God. So the two things you can pray for, says Paul, is the witness of the church and your witness in everyday life. He says I want you to pray for your witness in everyday life and the witness of the church. And so let's talk about the witness of the church for a second. In Colossians 4, 3, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So he says, I want you to pray for open doors. Open doors for the word, the mystery of Jesus. I want you to pray that doors will open to the gospel. Pray for God to open the doors that only he can open is the exact prayer. In other words, ask God to do miracles in the way that he opens doors to the hearts of sinners so they can hear the gospel proclaimed and respond. And so you see it here in Colossians 4.3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open. That's what we want to pray, church. We want to pray that God will open. And maybe you're somebody listening right now that has, that maybe, maybe there's somebody in your life who's been praying for an open door for the gospel. Right now is your, your moment. You didn't know it, but for a long time, somebody's been praying for you, praying for an open door for you. And I want you to know something. Jesus lived the life that you could not live. He died the death that you should have died. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again. He conquered your sin and death. He's offered you his righteousness and new life in him. And if you want salvation from sins, you can say yes to Jesus right now. You don't have to wait any longer than this moment. You say yes to Jesus. I want salvation for my sins. I also want to live in light of your glory. I want to be renewed in the image of you, Lord Jesus. I want to live out my true identity in you. Man, God is here for you. So we pray for open doors. We pray that God will open doors miraculously in the lives of people. They can respond to the gospel. So yeah, we're praying for open doors. You might be thinking, uh, speaking of open doors, (laughs) when are the physical doors of New City opening? Well, we, we published a plan. Hopefully you received an email on Friday of this week, but we published a plan. You can find it at newcityabq.org. Uh, there is a, uh, a site there. We put together a four-step plan for reopening, and you can look at that plan and see where we're headed and what the next steps are for us. But I want you to hear me loud and clear. The doors of the gospel have never been more open than they are right now. I mean, as frustrating as the moment is that we are in right now, the doors for the gospel have never been more open. We are, we are like actually in a, in a really, I mean, it's, as far as Christianity is concerned, I mean, I, I can't speak to everyone's industry. I, I, I can't speak to it historically, everybody's industry, the impact of the current moment that we're in. But I'll just say, like, for, for church people, the, the Roman roads were, were that, that innovation is what empowered the Acts 1-8 calling. I mean, it's what empowered the gospel to go to, from Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. The Roman roads provided opportunity for the gospel to go out to the world. That innovation was significant for the opening doors to the gospel. But, you know, you look at history and you go, man, there have been other innovations that have been important to the gospel, like the Gutenberg Press. Putting the Bible in people's hands, you would say, was a pretty powerful innovation that changed the landscape of Christianity. I think we're in a weird time. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for me. I'm, I feel like an old man sometimes. Uh, I opened TikTok on my phone, 
and I closed it right away. Uh, but you know, I did open it. I'm trying not to be old, but I'm, you will not see a TikTok dance from me anytime soon. Uh, but, but the internet platforms that we have available to us right now have changed the way that we're engaging with one another and have opened new doors for the gospel. And so would you pray for New City to walk through doors God is opening to us with wisdom? Like we have a lot of doors opening to us, like the door of a new facility in our near future. But there are also these doors of like, you know, of opportunity with the, that God has provided for us with the people who are viewing online. And maybe, you, maybe you've never even engaged with us physically and, and you've only uh, ever engaged with us in this digital platform. Like, we welcome you and we're glad that you're here. God has opened this door for us to have a relationship. And I don't, write, I don't know what to do with it yet. But pray for us to have wisdom. You know, along with all the pain of COVID-19, there are possibilities for the gospel we, we have never experienced before. And let me just challenge you with one new possibility uh, that is a reinvention of an old one. And this, 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 new, this, this new possibility is, is really kind of going back to our ancient roots. And it's what you're experiencing right now, church in your home. It, it doesn't feel like a, an innovation, but it is an innovation and I was reading through Colossians 4 and it just kept coming out at me and I couldn't find a way to sort of tie it into the message but it just, it just, it just dawned on me. Here you have in Colossians 4.15, there's a, you know, in, in the final greetings, it's, it's like a, Paul's just sort of connecting people. He's like, you know, this person greets you and, and we want to greet this person uh, that's there with you. And then he says, uh, and to Nympha and the church in her, her house. Nympha this woman who planted a church in her house, I just want to say greeting to her. Look, every Christian is a missionary. We said that from the very beginning of New City. We believe that with all of our hearts. Every Christian is a missionary. You, you have been called on mission if you're a Christian. But I want you to know that every home watching today is an outpost of ministry. Like, your home... Is, is now the place where you are participating in church, but hopefully your, your home becomes a place of ministry and a place of mission and a place where you invite people to your home who are far from Jesus to hear the good news about Jesus and to respond to that good news. You see, there are people who will entertain faith online in homes that may not attend a gathering in a church building, but you invite them to your home and they're all over it. And that day's coming real soon. We'll be, we'll be talking about how to do that, how to have house church gatherings, what that looks like as we start to sort of think through opening up. And those days are coming down the line, hopefully coming soon. There are a lot of people who've tuned in online and responded to the gospel already of these last nine, 10 weeks, however long it's been. Uh, and, and, and they not only have re- logged online and con- consumed content, they've responded, uh, gotten involved in community groups, gotten involved in starting point, and, and, and some have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Praise God for that. And so pray for open doors. And also pray for clarity. Paul says, uh, pray, pray that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. That when I proclaim the gospel, that I'll make it clear. I, I gotta tell you, just church, it's in a moment of honesty. I covet your prayers in this. I stress out, I mean, I stress out about every single sermon because I wanna be clear, I wanna be helpful, I wanna serve you. Uh, I, want, I want sinners to hear the gospel and be forever changed. And every single time I put a message together, it, 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 that is the heart of it, is I want to serve you. 
I want to be clear and helpful. And if, here's what I have to tell myself. That God is a savior, over and over and over again, God is a savior. But I am a witness. God is a savior, but, but, but I, I, I do want to be an effective witness to the savior. And so I say this to you and your friends who are lost, and your family members who are lost, who have not received the gospel, who don't know the saving grace of Jesus. Like you are not the savior, but you do, you do know who the savior is and you can witness to him. And you can pray for open doors, and you can pray for clarity, and I tell you what, God does miracles. I believe this with all of my heart, that New City Church will only be as effective as her prayer life. And so if you, if you want New City Church to be effective, pray for open doors, pray for clarity of the gospel, pray for clarity of leadership, and pray for clarity of, in terms of wisdom and how to progress through a very difficult time that is, that is full of opportunities for the gospel. So the two things you can pray for, he says, is the witness of the church and then your witness in everyday life. He encourages the church this way in verses five and six, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. In other words, walk in wisdom when, when you are in the world engaging with people who are far from Jesus. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. N.T. Wright, looking at these verses, says this. Be wise, follow Christ as God's pattern for full and authentic human living. Reflect this wisdom toward outsiders. Paul knew the importance of giving the world no reason to criticize or gossip about the behavior of Christians. Blameless life lays the foundation for a gracious witness as Christians make the most of every opportunity. I mean, that's essentially what we're trying to accomplish in our Be Good News initiative. It's to start good news conversations all over the city because we are committed to be a good news people. You see, people are open to hearing a good news message from a good news person. And if your social media feed is all bad news and, and your attitude is all bad news and every time somebody's around you, your, 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 your speech is not seasoned with salt, but it's sour and it's bitter. Man, that affects your witness. And if you live a questionable life by loving God and loving your neighbor, people will question you about your, your life and your life and your faith. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person because the idea here is people will start questioning you. So let me just press in a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed COVID time is different than regular time. Uh, COVID time doesn't seem to have a beginning and an end to me, for, for me. Like I, I can't, I'm having a hard time deciding when my work day begins, when my work day ends. I'm certainly having a hard time uh, deciding what day it is on any given day because it feels like Groundhog's Day so much of the time. But how are you using your COVID time? Because the text says make the best use of time. So are you making the best use of time? Are you making the best use of your witness during this time? We have never had a greater opportunity to help our, our witness and we've never had a greater opportunity to harm our witness. I mean, let's be honest. Like, we are living in a polarized and divided and angry time. 
And even a pandemic that you might think would pull us together is having this effect of pulling people apart. And Christian people are not the kind of people that show up sour and bitter. They're the kind of people that show up with speech seasoned with salt, whose, whose lips drip the gospel and the good news, who are on the front lines of serving those in need and, and, those, and those who are suffering and hurting because we are putting on display the kingdom reality of Jesus. Listen to Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So don't be unwise in the way that you walk. Be wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. See, the COVID experience can easily draw our attention to ourselves and away from loving God and our neighbor. I I kept writing a part of the sermon in and then writing it out and then writing it in and then writing it out and it's right now currently written out. I'm just gonna write it back in. (laughs) So I can do that and uh, that's my prerogative. So I'm writing it in right now. When I wrote this line, the COVID experience can easily draw our attention to ourselves and away from loving God and our neighbor. I had in mind a very certain condition that is an American condition. It, it, It seems to me to be true that the gospel continually calls us to self-sacrificial love. In other words, to lay down our rights for the benefit of others. It seems to me that there is an American idolatry that says there is no greater value than my rights and don't touch my rights because my rights matter most of all. That is a direct violation to gospel thinking. Now, I'm not suggesting you do one thing or another. I'm just calling out what is there and plain to see. The gospel has a certain, it brings about a certain way of living, a loving God, loving the neighbor kind of way of living, a loving the neighbor to the point that I lay down my life for my neighbor, even my neighbor who's my enemy. It's the kind of love that says my rights are not as valuable as, 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 as <laughs> My rights don't, uh, don't supersede the value of love. My witness is more important than my rights, in other words. And so let me just encourage you. You may, you may be right, and you may win arguments, but what's it doing to your witness? And whatever your opinion is about how we should be responding and how we shouldn't be responding to COVID-19, uh, I just want to ask you, how is your opinion right now affecting your witness? because my witness is more important than my rights. The most important thing to me right now is my witness to Jesus Christ who has saved the world. By the way, COVID-19 is gonna be here and gone, but you know what, there's gonna be other diseases and there's gonna be other things that plague our lives and like sin that plagues our lives and ultimately kills us, but only Jesus overcomes sickness and only Jesus overcomes death. Only Jesus brings resurrection. And so I care most about my witness. And this is your time to witness. So to whom are you uniquely positioned to witness to right now? Think about it. To whom are you uniquely positioned to witness to right now? Because that's your prayer list. I think you should write it down. Write down that prayer list. Who is it you should be witnessing to? Could, could, could I just say, if you pray the will of God for that lost person, and you write it down, you should start watching. 
because God does the rescuing. And it's amazing what he does. And when he does it, don't forget to be thankful. In Colossians 4.17, one of the greetings that Paul gives is uh, to Crippus, and he says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I don't know anything about this person's story. I do know that there are times we need to hear that admonition. (laughs) See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And you may be, you may have been one of those Christians that was a little bit, you know, you got lazy in your faith. COVID has you praying, but it's all been crisis prayers, and now you're, you're kind of coming out of that crisis prayer time, and you have a choice. Are, are you gonna live on mission for God? Are you, gonna, are you gonna pray bold and dangerous prayers? Are you gonna seek his will to be done and see, and see the kingdom advance in the world? Or are you gonna just let this COVID season pass and walk back into a lazy and lackadaisical prayer life? I've been trying to appeal to you today that prayer changes things. So the three movements we have in our service every week as we end the service is prayer, communion, and generosity. Last week we did a little pilot of a prayer room and we had a few people jump into the prayer room and it's a, it's a pretty fun time. We will break up some in groups if there's uh, moments to do that. But just during these next two songs, we'll have a couple songs and then kids worship begins. And during those next two songs, as we would live in a service as we do typically during the week, uh, a week when we were meeting physically, uh, we have moments of prayer where you could walk to the back of the room and pray. This is kind of replacing that moment. Uh, but many people responded, and you might want to respond. And uh, you might be saying, oh, man, I'm in my pajamas. I don't want anybody to see me. Uh, it's Zoom, so it's here up. You know, just do your hair, jump on, we'll pray together, okay? All right, so we've got prayer, communion. Uh, in a few weeks, I, I haven't decided when yet, but in a few weeks, we're going to try to organize a, a communion time where we all take communion together uh, on, uh, on our, in our service time. And so uh, communion is something you certainly can do on your own, and generosity. Uh, we made a big announcement last week about Be Good News. I was so excited about that. God has been so gracious to New City Church, and we thank you for your generosity and for your continual giving to New City. It has been our form uh, as of recent to pray a prayer together and to let us all kind of jump in together in a single prayer uh, with a single voice wherever we are sitting right now uh, to pray together. So let's just pray together this, this final prayer. Lord Jesus, open our mouths. Lead us to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Open our ears to hear you speak to us. Open our eyes to see you at work answering our prayers. Open our hearts to praise you for hearing and answering our prayers. And all the church said, amen. God bless, glad you're here today.